Wednesday morning broadcast, JM and the AM. Many of you are aware of the fact that the uh, IDF and medical personnel from Israel played a very important role in the aftermath of the Nepal earthquake that took place in April. And um, you can imagine the incredible Kiddush Hashem, how those who traveled from Israel to Nepal to help out, to rescue people, to save people, to operate on people, you can imagine the tremendous Kiddush Hashem, how they glorified God's name in the process. One of those people is with us live via telephone. The Director General of Shari Tzedek, and Shari Tzedek Hospital did take a lead role in the IDF medical mission to Nepal after the devastating earthquake. The Director General of Shari Tzedek is Professor Jonathan Halevi, and uh, he was invited to join the mission was charged with directing the internal medicine wing within the IDF field hospital. Dr. Halevi, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. A pleasure. To, you? Baruch Hashem, a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, what happens once devastating news arrives from outside of Israel? Is it the government that starts to contact medical personnel? Do you, as a leader in this area, just assume that you, as a representative of Israel, are going to be called to help out when it's such a devastating operation, uh, with devastating earthquake, rather? What's it like in the few hours after the news has broken? Well, it's actually not the government. The IDF has a field hospital that is manned by a nucleus of people who are in the mandatory service. This uh, field hospital that is composed of uh, uh, actually everything intense, but two operation theaters, an internal medicine admission department, orthopedic department, even gynecology, uh, and of course an emergency medicine, and all uh, these tents and uh, 70 tons of equipment are stored in a storage room, and uh, wherever in the world there is a disaster with mass casualties, Israel is the first to respond. I can tell you that the earthquake in Nepal took place around noontime on Shabbat three weeks ago, three right. and a half weeks ago now. Right. Uh, I was called by my deputy, Dr. Ofer Marin, who serves in his reserve service as the commander of this field hospital, uh, during Shabbat, 5 p.m. in the afternoon, and he told me that the army is preparing to take off within 12 hours to be the first with this uh, field hospital in order to help treating the casualties of the earthquake. Uh, and he asked for my permission for a leave of absence from Shari Tzedek and to take with him few physicians, to which I consented immediately because the same group went to Haiti in 2010, mm. then to the Philippines, to Fukushima in Japan when the tsunami uh, took place there. So I was ready for that, and it's part of the IDF mission. Around midnight, he called me and told me that... Uh, He's looking for a senior internist to run the internal medicine and admission department. Uh, will I be ready to go? To which I answered immediately, uh, of course. And 7 a.m. in the morning of Sunday, we reported for duty. It took us 12 hours to get organized to load all the equipment. And we two jumbo jets, the 747, one cargo and one for the uh, people in the mission with the personal equipment, 
we flew to Kathmandu. The, the, with, with the devastation that occurred there and with obvious, you know, disorganization and panic, one can only imagine what it's like in a situation like that, especially within hours of the natural disaster. Uh, excuse the vernacular, but, but where do you begin? Where do you go? Where do you start? How do you even know where to set up and how to most effectively help the people that are in need? Well, it's a very good question. Uh, actually, before the main body, the 122 members that operated the field hospital take off, uh, there is a group of three people uh, from the IDF. That's their mission. They go immediately. They left Israel immediately after Shabbos, immediately Motsai Shabbat, uh, 24 hours before we took off. And they liaise with the Nepalese government, with the Ministry of Health, with the medical corps of the Nepalese army, and they ask for the preferences. And the preference this time was for us um, to be uh, in a stadium on, a, on grass near uh, the main military hospital in uh, Nepal, uh, in Kathmandu that was affected by the earthquake. They had to evacuate all their patients to tents, and they needed a lot of help to do orthopedic surgery. They had a line of 150 patients that were waiting outside the hospital to be operated on with severe fractures. Oh. So the three people that left before us were asked by the government, who the Nepalese government, who set this priority, and they selected for us the place that after landing we will be situated. So things were prepared within the first 12 hours after the earthquake. Would you describe the, especially within a day after, would you in fact describe it as some level of pandemonium, some level of complete panic? I mean, I would assume that, that you, like everybody else, felt the aftershocks of the earthquake and, and nothing felt settling at that time. Say it again, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I would assume that the first 24 hours after this occurred is, is just an air of pandemonium, of panic in the entire area, and it's very difficult. Uh, you're 100% right, especially that most hospitals in Kathmandu were affected as well. But still, it's a country that uh, has government, has a minister of health, right. and uh, like in Israel, they have a special body in their army to prepare for mass disasters so they could direct us. I assume you felt aftershocks as you were there, right? I felt that was, I assume that was going on constantly. Well, we did, we did feel, uh, actually minor aftershocks almost every day, uh, and we were, you know, out in the field. Um, but uh, the, when we landed in Israel, a couple of hours before landing, we were in the air. They had another major earthquake, but again, nothing like the first one. The first one, still today, they counted uh, 9,000 uh, dead and tens of thousands injured. The second one had 40 uh, victims. Wow, unbelievable. Uh, so it was on a lower scale. Uh, Shari Tzedek, Director General, Professor Jonathan Halevi is with us uh, via telephone. Um, not that most of us would even know what operating room conditions are normally like at a wonderful state-of-the-art facility like yours in Israel, uh, but how do you compare being in that field hospital and operating to a regular normal situation? That's uh, very interesting. You see the conditions in the tent, although there is um, an air condition in the tent, but the conditions in terms of sterility, also the patients coming from the field. Mm. Uh, of course, we work under sterile conditions, but nothing like at home 
with the permanent 14 operation theaters that we have, a state of the art. But really in uh, commanding the IDF, the equipment that we brought with us, the anesthesia machines, the respirators, the monitors, were state of the art, like in the hospital. The only difference was the patients that came to emergency surgery uh, not, um, we didn't have time, you know, to clean and to sterilize to the same degree. Mm. But interestingly enough, we did not observe after surgery and more infections that we are used to, actually less than that. And uh, there is among the professional circles something called the hygiene theory that uh, in the Western world we grow up in more hygienic conditions. Right. So we don't have antibodies and we are less immune to infections. Right. We did not see major infections there. Interesting. We did see many diseases that we don't see in the West, like someone vomiting and the worm comes out. It's called ascaris. Um, all kinds of tropical diseases. And uh, in my department, under me, there was the Israeli expert, Professor Eli Schwartz, for tropical diseases and travel medicine, who advised us on all these esoteric diseases. But both the medical patients and the surgical patients in Nepal really, um, you know, presented to us an unbelievable challenge, and with all due subjectivity, I believe that we stood up to the challenge. I assume you operate... Now that I would add, the Nepalese people are very modest people who does not do not externalize emotions. They accepted this horrible disaster in silence, in, in, in modesty, in sadness, and were extremely, extremely grateful to the Israeli team. I assume you were operating on people who had no home to go back to, I would guess. You're 100% right, including, you know, in my department, I had a 17-year-old 17, 17 girl, actually, who lost all her family and came to us with a major uh, fracture of her leg, and uh, we were actually about to amputate, and uh, then we were able to save the limb. But yes, she had no place to go to. We spent two weeks there, and again, in fairness to the Nepalese and the organization that they had, social workers, Nepalese social workers, came to our field hospital, and communicated with them, found uh, lost relatives, and uh, actually uh, set each and every one of the patients who did not have a home to go back to on the day that we left Nepal. Nobody was left homeless there. It may, it may sound like a silly question, but but is, is the pressure in the operating room even greater than usual when you know there are another 100 people waiting for surgery? Well, the answer is yes, although the nature of surgery, you know, we didn't do their open-heart surgery. Right. Even the neurosurgical interventions were usually, um, you know, taking care of an hemorrhage. Uh, most of the operations were orthopedic operations on crash syndromes and um, severe damage to bones and muscles in the limbs. So for very experienced physicians, and I must tell you, that the 40, uh, our field hospital had a staff of 122, 40 of them were physicians, and these were the best physicians in Israel. The best physicians in Israel. The intensive care unit was run 
by three heads of intensive care units in various hospitals in Israel. So the professional challenge was not that great, but the special circumstances of mass casualty and the fact that we were on foreign ground, uh, not at home, not with the usual staff, uh, that was the challenge, but uh, not the mere surgery itself. Did the regular people, Did this, obviously the government knew, did a civilian who came to your field hospital know that you were from Israel? Everybody knew there were flags of Israel, the ambassador, the Israeli ambassador uh, to uh, Nepal was in the field. Uh, there was a lot of communication, and actually everybody who came, every one of the 1,600 people who came to our emergency room in the field hospital knew that we are Israelis. By the way, we use as translators, mm. volunteer Nepalese women, the common denominator of all of them was that they worked in Israel, you know, in um, attending to old people like the Philippines. Home health so aides. Nepal is also very popular. Some of them spent 10 years in Israel and knew Hebrew, so immediately they introduced us as the uh, relief mission from Israel. Unbelievable. Uh, Director General of Sharet Tzedek Medical Center, Professor Jonathan Halevi, is with us. We're talking about the amazing Israeli field hospital team that went to Nepal. Um, we heard from uh, from the Haiti episode that there were babies born there that were named Israel in honor of you and your colleagues. Were there any heartwarming stories that came out of Nepal? Well, I didn't hear about the names this time, <laughs> but I can tell you that in two weeks we delivered um, eight babies. Aww. We treated many, many children, but eight babies were born. And we were so popular that uh, even uh, an officer who is a physician who served in the hospital adjacent to us, in the Nepalese military hospital, when his wife had the premature delivery and had contractions um, on the seventh month or 31st week, uh, he chose to come and uh, have his baby in our field hospital. <laughs> And I think that shows uh, the confidence that uh, the IDF Field Hospital uh, elicited in uh, everybody who was around us. If uh, he preferred our field maternity to the maternity of his regular hospital, it speaks for itself. Um, uh, what what number of uh, doctors, how many of the doctors were that were with you as a team uh, came from Shari Tzedek? I, th I think I read like 10 or 12. Does that make sense? Yeah. 10 out of the 40 were from Shari Tzedek. Almost every Israeli hospital was represented usually with one or two physicians. Right. It has to do with all my due subjectivity really with the central role that um, that Charetzedek plays in today's Israeli medicine. We became one of the major centers in Israel, located in the center of Jerusalem, but it also has to do with the fact that the reserve uh, task of uh, the commander to command this hospital is my deputy, Dr. Ofro Marin, who is the head of trauma in Sharetzedek. Right. And the art form in these missions is to select the best physicians. He's familiar firsthand with the best physicians in Sharetzedek. This uh, explains the relative overrepresentation of Sharetzedek among the 40 physicians of the medical team 
in Nepal. Right. And um, when, when you have an all-star roster like this, who's going to Nepal, does it in any way, and pl- please don't take this the wrong way, but does it in any way adjust things back home at the hospital in Sharet Tzedek? Because every department, it seems, is being, or, or most of the major departments, are being represented with this mission to Nepal, and obviously yeah. some of your best people are, are there instead of being in Israel. Oh. No, I don't think it's the wrong, the wrong way on the on the opposite. Sharet Tzedek is a very strong hospital today. We have 700 physicians. Yeah. The chief of orthopedic surgery went with me there, but there are nine senior physicians in the department that remained in Israel. So in no way or form did it affect our routine work here. And on the contrary, everybody was very proud with their representation there. For instance, we took a guy who is a senior physician in our pediatric emergency room who did an unbelievable job in Nepal, but he's one out of 50 physicians. Our pediatric emergency room sees 30,000 uh, children a year. It's by far one of the definitely the largest in Jerusalem. So if you take one of 15 physicians, <laughs> um, everybody is covering. By the way, everybody wanted to go. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there was a pressure on the head of the mission to attend because I must tell you the time uh, in practice, 42 years, but this was one of my life experiences in many, many aspects. The humanitarian, the professional challenge, the social, there was a lot of camaraderie. You know that physicians sometimes like to argue, to argue. To argue about a patient, you should do this, you should do that. I think this is the diagnosis. The camaraderie that was manifested among the staff in Nepal, probably united by the sacred mission, was unbelievable. In two weeks of spending and sleeping in tents with all these people, I did not hear one argument. Everybody, all the discussions about patients were in a nice, modest manner. I also served as the head of the ethics committee of the field hospital because many ethical decisions had to be taken, you know, if to resuscitate or not to resuscitate, to um, to do an amputation when the patient could not give a consent in order to save his or her life or not to do it. And uh, wow. I was very impressed with the camaraderie. So the social aspect was also a life experience. And even the personal, I'm 67 years old, it's already 30 years that I did not do miluim, did not do reserve, did not sleep in a personal tent on the ground. (laughs) It was also the physical conditions were also a personal challenge. And I'm happy to say that uh, we all rose up to the challenge. I was going to ask you about the team suffering from fatigue, but the truth is that you were probably with people, and yourself, of course, who who have had plenty of sleepless nights in Israel as well. That's correct. We are all used to hard work. We slept between three and four hours a day. We covered for each other when one of us went to sleep. Um, you know, every every night for these three or four hours, there was someone who covered the department. We had excellent nurses there. And the active physicians are used to be deprived of sleep. Right. Uh, you had teams, as you mentioned, in Japan and Haiti and the Philippines. Now you were, of course, leading this team in uh in Nepal, I mean, do, do, based on what you know uh, through these types of experiences and, the, and your colleagues who've been there, 
Do do these places recover? Is, is Nepal going to get back to a uh, to a a place and as a as a uh, as an area that will be able to to rebound from this devastating episode? Yeah, well, the answer is complex. If you take Kathmandu, which is a city of three million people that was not in the center of the earthquake and was affected the few temples collapsed and you know every tent building had some damage they will fully recuperate in in few months i believe but on the uh in the himalaya on the slopes of the himalaya mountains there were whole villages that were buried under the avalanche of rocks from the himalaya and there the loss of life is horrendous and some of these villages will never be resurrected. Right. Uh, th- there were Israelis who were missing. I-, I assume that was not under your jurisdiction, that the Israeli government and the army uh, m- made sure to do what they could until everybody was accounted for. Yeah, well, the rescue the rescue mission uh, that went up to the mountains to discover Israeli um, uh, backpackers, right. who, uh, as you know, almost every graduate of the Israeli army spends between a month and few months touring uh, India and Nepal, my children included, and unfortunately they were caught in the earthquake. Yeah. And the rescue um, team, uh, especially trained by the army, actually shared the camp with us and went every day by helicopters uh, to the mountains to rescue. And they did a terrific job, and actually all the Israelis, all the Israelis that were deconnected, were all located and came back safely, except one person who was found buried under the rocks, and this is Or Asraf of blessed memory. Right. And his father flew to Nepal and was in our camp in order to realize that the IDF does everything in order to locate him. As the days elapsed, we were very worried, and on the 10th day after the earthquake, his uh, cadaver, unfortunately, right. was uh, his body was uh, recovered from under the rocks. What was the last day like? I, w- I would assume that as much of a, of a relief as it is to know you're heading back to Israel, there has to be mixed emotions when the team is leaving on the final day. Well, it was a very emotional day because, don't forget, I ran uh, the inpatient department there. So I had 15 patients. Many of them spent the whole two weeks with us, or 10 days out of the 14 days, and uh, the staff, we all became attached. I have pictures with these patients, and they have tears in their eyes, and we have tears in in our eyes, and we evacuated them and handed them to the Nepalese uh, medical team, and this was a very moving and uh, emotional experience. We wanted to guarantee that they will get uh, good rehabilitations. Many of them were amputees who will need prosthesis, but it was too soon to talk about prosthesis when we left. So it was a very, very emotional day. We were, we had a lot of satisfaction because we felt that a lot was accomplished and we really did a, a big mitzvah, saving many lives. On the other hand, it was very difficult to say goodbye to these um, to these patients, all the personnel became very attached to them. Uh, Director General Professor Jonathan Halevi, in conclusion, could you tell this audience how proud they should be of the state of Israel, the Israel Defense Forces, and 
and medical personnel like yourself and your colleagues for having embarked on this mission? Well, there are no words to describe it. I was born in Israel. I'm a Savre, and I came back even a prouder Israeli than I left Israel. The fact that the IDF ethos is that whenever there is such a mass disaster anywhere in the world, the first thing that they do, they invest the money, they just lift this field hospital that is waiting for it because it's the same field hospital that treated the Syrian refugees few months ago on our northern border. Mm. Uh, and the fact that we have this ethos that we will be the first and with the most major facility, there was an American delegation to Nepal as well, nothing to compare in terms of the number of people and the, and the, the surgical and medical abilities that we brought with us. So I really felt extremely proud in our IDF and extremely proud that I'm an Israeli. Dr. Alevi Kolakavod, thank you so much for joining us. Best regards to your colleagues and everybody at Shari Tzedek. I look forward to seeing you in Jerusalem. I will, and thank you very much for this interview. Medical director of the field hospital was Dr. Ofer Merin. The Shari Tzedek director general, Professor Jonathan Halevi, who was our guest, joined the mission and was charged with directing the internal medicine wing within the IDF field hospital in Nepal. Uh, as you heard he and uh, 10, 12 colleagues from Sharitetic Medical Center were part of this amazing team of uh, 40 doctors and surgeons and a group of over 100 that went to work in the field hospital in Nepal. Just amazing. What a Kiddush Hashem glorifying the name of God and of the state of Israel and of the Jewish people. JM and the AM on a Wednesday morning broadcast.